Elliot came and he had the sweetest cry I've ever heard. I still can hear it ringing in my ears. Jenny and Matt Mooney's baby boy, Elliot, spent 99 days on this earth before you went to be with Jesus. Grief has a funny way of just isolating you and making you feel alone, making you feel as though you're not walking through it together sometimes. And so it was hard and it was low. In the midst of their grief, Matt and Jenny knew they had to put into practice what they had learned through Elliot's precious life and share that with others. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. You're listening to the fifth and final episode in our five-part series, More Than Our Abilities. It's part of GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. You heard Matt Mooney say that grief has a way of making you feel alone. Well, Billy Graham will have more to say about that a little later in this episode. That word alone, how many people feel alone? The Bible teaches something about loneliness. And you'll hear more about what the Bible teaches about loneliness from Billy Graham later in the episode. But first, we want to quickly mention a website you can go to or share with a friend. It's findpeacewithgod.net. It walks you through who Jesus Christ is and why we celebrate him during the Christmas season that we're now entering. There are short videos there for you to check out, and there's an option to chat with one of our trained volunteers. Again, the address is findpeacewithgod.net. God. People. Stories. Our story begins with a guy and a girl growing up in neighboring states, both in Christian homes. I grew up in Arkansas. I grew up um, in a very small community in Louisiana. Jenny Gavel was surrounded by God's truth, but it seemed like something for other people. I did not understand grace or the concept of grace. I kind of had this mentality of like, well, I'll never be good enough for that and for the people that are like that, that are around me. And so see you later. Just that was their thing. When Jenny went to college in Alabama, she made a friend who would play a pivotal role in her journey of faith. And her family is from Tuscaloosa, and she invited me to their house because her mom would cook food for college students. And she just really befriended me in a really clear way and loved me well. And it was through that friendship that I learned more about like these missing pieces in my mind about the grace of God and that it was not actually dependent on my actions. Like I was never going to actually be good enough. I had that right, but that it was Jesus who was actually going to draw me to the Father, not my own works. My story is a a little bit different than Jenny's in that I grabbed hold of faith very young, and I grabbed hold of it with both hands as well as I knew how at the age of about six or seven. Matt Mooney grew up in what he calls a Christian bubble, but as he got older, he wrestled with some questions about his faith. And so as I grew, people whose faith I looked to and books that I read and were really people who were comfortable questioning. And that for me was just huge to find people and voices, whether they were authors or in books, who didn't necessarily for me look polished or looked like they had all the answers, but were really asking questions. Matt and Jenny were each getting to know God better before they knew each other. We worked at a Christian sports camp in Missouri, and that's where we met in college, not long after I actually came to faith. Lo and behold, walking up the dirt road came one Jenny Gaddle at the time, and I, I set my heart to having that name changed at some point. And so we'd be, we began to date and, and got married, fell in love uh, on the shores of Table Rock Lake. 
After college, Jenny and Matt shared their life together in Fort Worth, Texas, working in youth ministry. We had very little of what they call money at that time. I think the best way to start a marriage is with nothing. I don't know that you want to stay there. Good if you do. Um, fine if you do. But we had none of the money and all of the joy. From Fort Worth, their next stop was Fayetteville, Arkansas, where Matt enrolled in law school and Jenny did odd jobs here and there. They didn't know what the future held, but they were clear on one thing. There was something in our hearts that we just knew that we wanted to follow Jesus anywhere. And I think if you were to ask me as 23-year-old, I would say, like, I'd go overseas. I'd live in different conditions. But I didn't think of any other ways necessarily that that would live out. But that is where the Lord for sure sparked in both of us that we were going to live our lives for Him no matter what. And we, at that point, didn't know what it would mean. One year into law school, Matt and Jenny found out they were expecting. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but we were definitely really excited. We had been married five years. We knew we wanted to start a family, maybe not year one in law school, but we were very excited. Around the halfway mark of the pregnancy, an ultrasound revealed a few things that doctors needed to keep an eye on. It was nothing that seemed like a huge deal at the time. But a few months later, another ultrasound led to a heartbreaking diagnosis. There was like this really distinct moment that both of us remember really well where a team of folks walked in. They came in and we could tell right away. I mean, your heart sinks a little. They all walk in with a, a serious tone and they tell us that it looks like our child would have something called trisomy 18. And we had further testing to figure out, you know, certainty of that and got that diagnosis when he was in utero and started to learn about trisomy 18 and knew that most children with trisomy 18, a lot of times they don't make it to birth. And if they do, they don't live very long. Throughout the final weeks of the pregnancy, Jenny and Matt grappled with the heavy reality they were facing. And what we saw in both of us is the different ways that we would turn to Jesus in the, that time of just what was the start of sadness and grief in us. And I didn't really know what to pray and would just pray psalms over and over again because I didn't know. And I remember hearing Matt just mumbling through the house, just praying nonstop. So we really just kind of fell before the Lord in those days. And I think part of that, and I think this is directly from the Spirit of God, was that I could feel Him kick and move. And, you know, what had been told was that He might not live for very long, but I was so in tune with that he was alive now in his life and what a gift it was. And so somewhere along the way, I remember telling Matt, we can be sad later, but we're going to just love this baby right now. It was on July 20th, 2006, that Jenny gave birth to their son. Elliot came and he had the sweetest cry I've ever heard. I still can hear it ringing in my ears. It was soft, but it was a distinct cry. And so they checked him out and then they were like, if it's okay with you, we're going to take him down the hallway. And I said, yeah, like, that's great. I knew that this is this marker of like, okay, like he's doing all right. So Matt had had a pink shirt and a blue shirt and he threw the blue shirt out to people who were praying and waiting and just like a whole tribe of people who loved Elliot before. Before he even came and loved us so well. Elliot spent two weeks in the NICU. He had oxygen. He was tube fed. But for us, new parents, uh, we didn't know any better anyway. So whatever they taught us, we were learning all about having a kid for the first time anyway. And so we were learning how to take care of our son 
Uh, and we were overjoyed to do that. And we, we had prayed and prayed that we'd be able to go home with him and take him home. And so after two weeks in the NICU, you know, big accomplishment was getting to take Elliot home and getting to be there as a family. Jenny and Matt poured themselves into caring for the baby boy. They cherished their time as a family of three. In fact, while many parents celebrate each month of their baby's life, the Moonies celebrated each day of Elliot's life, specifically at 4.59, the time he was born. Yeah, and they got to celebrate Elliot 99 times. Then he went to be with Jesus. We released a balloon for every day of Elliot's life at his funeral. And so there's a video called 99 Balloons, kind of about his life as well, that, that people have gotten to see and be a part of. That video has been viewed 4.9 million times. At the end of the video is a Bible verse from the book of Job. It says, God gives, God takes. God's name be ever blessed. Mm. We don't need to tell you that losing Elliot was devastating. Jenny and Matt had joyfully cared for him every second of those 99 days. All of that was just gone and it was quiet and, and we were sad and our marriage was hard for the first time. And if you're having a good day, a better day in grief and your wife is not, it turns out you're not having a good day and vice versa. Though Jenny was the only one that understood what I was going through, you know, grief has a funny way of just isolating you and making you feel alone, making you feel as though you're not walking through it together sometimes. And so it was hard and it was low. And we just, as was our faith, we took that to God. Matt says God's grace to Jenny and him during that season was twofold. One, we felt very able to take our frustration and anger and grief and the ugliness of all of that straightway to him. We didn't feel like we had to hide that from him, that he was big enough to handle it and loved us enough to take all the ugliness that we brought. And then the other grace was, you know, we never questioned for us that somehow it would be better if we were apart. If Jenny and I weren't married, that somehow that made any of this better, even though it was hard and even though we were isolated and even though we were grieving. And so that was God's goodness to us during those days. As time passed, Jenny and Matt began to pray about what was next for them. And how would we live out the things that we believed God had taught us through Elliot's life, which was primarily around this idea of just the worth and value of everybody, regardless of if they were disabled or not, or if they had a condition or a diagnosis or not, or that, that God has made and created us and that we carry in us um, the image of God. The image of God, or the Imago Dei, it's a popular term in Christian circles, and it's one Matt and Jenny would have said they knew all about, even before Elliot. But after those 99 days, something had changed. The Imago Dei wasn't just an abstract idea anymore. We lived it, and we experienced it through Elliot to just see how great God was through his life and how worthy of celebration his life was and how much we loved him and how much that must be a reflection of how much God loves all of us. And so in that moment, we began to dream and think about what we would do. We had had some amazing ways of sharing Elliot's story. We got to go on Oprah's show and talk about Elliot. We went on the Today Show and talked about Elliot, which sounds really cool, but it's really not cool at all. And it's the hardest thing that you've ever walked through to go into those forums and open that up. Jenny and Matt went public with their story to give glory to God. Elliot's life was so short, but it was significant. It was worthy of sharing with a world that's often fixated on the flashiest success stories. 
And they were able to hear things that they otherwise never would have been able to. And so we were honored to do that. And so as we shared the story, we began to dream about what it might look like to live in light of what God had taught us through Elliot. One of the things the Moonies experienced during Elliot's life on earth was the beauty of community, their family, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ who had surrounded them with love. And everybody felt blessed, not just the Mooney family, but every person who had the chance to be around Elliot. Ginny and Matt began to pray about how they could help others know the kind of joy they had experienced while loving and supporting families with disabilities. And so this idea of respite, there were times, for those of you who don't know what respite is, respite is a word used to give people a break who do full-time caretaking. So a lot of times you'll hear the word respite surrounding those who take care of maybe elderly parents or A lot of times with obviously with disability as well, like full-time caretakers, it's really hard to get a break. It's really hard to take them in. And it's very different reality than when you care for children that don't have any medical, physical, emotional, intellectual needs. It was through this idea of respite that the ministry 99 Balloons was born. And the first thing Nine Balloons did was develop this night called Recess. And Recess is a respite program. It gives parents a few hours of a break. And we train volunteers through local church to enjoy, take care of. But sometimes when you hear take care of, it feels like a burden. It is actually a party. It is the best thing ever. So volunteers are trained to just understand what it's like to have a blast with a kid with disability for a few hours where parents get a break. And then also siblings, it's all the kids come. Siblings come as well so that they have a special night for them too. We had no knowledge. I had no knowledge of any disability otherwise other than Elliot. But we thought that sounds like a really fun way to give people the experience in a small way of what we got to have. Like what we got to have was time with an individual who was labeled with a diagnosis and seen as different by other people. And then we spent time with them and our life was changed. So we thought, hey, if we could gather our friends together and we could get the children with disability to come, we could meet a real need of parents by providing them respite, but we could also just be this portal into having this transformation happen over and over again, whereby people without disability get to spend time with some kiddos with disability, which had been so meaningful to us. The first recess event was in November 2007. It included 12 children with disabilities and their families. And we weren't necessarily looking at that time to like grow this thing. But what happens is if you start to fulfill a need (laughs) that maybe isn't, I mean, all of a sudden we bopped along for a little while and then people would say, oh, we should do this in our church. Oh, my cousin has a child with cerebral palsy and she never has a break. I should do this in my church for her. I bet she knows other people. And it just, I mean, it just spread like that. And it still is to this day. So the recess events and 99 balloons grew and multiplied. Along the way, the Moonies had two more children. While Hazel and Anders were growing up, Matt and Jenny began to learn more about the needs of children with disabilities on a global scale. We were doing recess. We said, well, man, we want to we wanted be a part of that global story of changing that global story and the perception of that a person with disability is a curse or a person with disability is that that is a punishment. And so 
we partnered with a local therapy group that was going to Ukraine through 99 Balloons. We got to know of a little girl there. She was immobile and nonverbal, living in an orphanage in eastern Ukraine. She was in a crib for 23 hours of a typical day while she was there. She was malnourished. And the story goes on and on. But, you know, when we looked at her, we saw what God had taught us through Elliot. And we saw a life worthy and we saw a beautiful girl. Matt and Ginny began to pray about this little girl. And so we had a two-year-old and a three-year-old at the time back home. And I had quit the jobs that I had in in order to do this thing called 99 Balloons. And this thing called 99 Balloons didn't have any money, so it currently didn't pay. And at this particular point in time is when Jenny thinks and comes to me and says, I think, you know, I think we might ought to think about adopting this girl. Then Lena, whose story we're telling. And uh, I said, well, something to the effect of, well, you have more faith than I do. I'm not there yet, it turns out, but but God is gracious. And in his graciousness and goodness, he led us to begin walking down that road of making Lena our daughter. So we adopted Lena when she was five. While Matt and Jenny rescued Lena from her bleak life in the Ukrainian orphanage and gave her a new life as part of their loving family, she's given them something too. This story often gets told as though we're the heroes in the Lena story. I assure you that we're not. We are the recipients of the joy that she's brought into our home. And she's brought a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. She has uh, profound autism. She has cerebral palsy. But you know what? She's wonderful. She's beautiful. So now we have Lena, Hazel, and Anders. They're now all teenagers, if you were to fast forward, all in the teen years. So pray for the Mooney clan. Um <laughs> Matt likes to say we're feeling our way through the days. We got lots of of feelings. We got lots of feelings in the house. As Matt said, the Mooney children are all teenagers now. And so is 99 Balloons. The ministry is going strong, helping families to be known and loved and helping the church to value all of God's children. We have about 45 recess sites right now in different churches throughout the United States, a few in Canada, one in Australia. And so that replicable model that we made just kind of, there was a need and there still continues to be a need. And Matt says the need goes both ways. People with disabilities need the church and the church needs people with disabilities. The body of Christ can't be missing any parts. The point of everything that we do is that people with disabilities have gifts, and we have to build relationships with them in order to be the recipient of their gifts. And for so long in the church, um, those gifts have been muted. We've celebrated the guy with the most followers and the biggest microphone, and he's slick, and that hasn't served us real well. And so in the Bible, we see a different model that Jesus is constantly calling us back to those that the world thinks less of, those who the, the world considers less, we consider more. Matt and Ginny Mooney will always miss their son, Elliot, but their faith in Christ comes with a promise that they will be with him again one day in heaven. The hope they have is available to you, too, and there is no better time than the Christmas season to learn about the hope of Christ. Head over to findpeacewithgod.net to find out more. Again, the address is findpeacewithgod.net. You're about to hear a word from the late Billy Graham, and then Matt will be back with a first step you can take if this episode has stirred your heart to reach out and build a new relationship with someone with disabilities. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.
That word alone. How many people feel alone? The Bible teaches something about loneliness. Billy Graham. Jesus was lonely. He knew what loneliness was because you see, only he could bear the sins of the world. That was a lonely position to be in. And when he was on the cross, it says all the disciples forsook him. God the Father and God the Son, a shadow came between them, the shadow of your sins and my sins. And Jesus, lonely, dying, suffering, bleeding, bearing your sins because no one else could do it but him. Yes, there's a loneliness to sin. And until you turn away from your sins and receive Christ into your heart, that loneliness will remain. Jesus Christ looked upon lonely people and loved them and went to the cross for them. You no longer feel alone when you come to Jesus Christ as your Savior. This time of year can be especially hard for those who have lost a loved one. Maybe you yourself are feeling lonely or isolated, or maybe you're struggling to find the words to pray. Know that we would like to help you, and we're here for you. You can call our prayer line anytime, day or night, and one of our faithful volunteers will pick up the phone to pray with you. The number is 855-255-PRAY. That's 855-255-PRAY. You've been hearing from Matt and Jenny Mooney. They started the ministry 99 Balloons 15 years ago. They told us about their recess events for children and their families, but Matt says they also have a ministry for adults called Befriend. The whole purpose of all that we do is that people might build relationships. So maybe it just looks like taking a little time, making a little effort. Maybe there's a family with disability that you've already kind of know, but you don't know their experience, you know, just begin to know them, ask them questions, ask them what church has been like for them, ask them what has been frustrating for them. What are they going through? Are they doing good? You know, just begin to build a relationship, find a person with disability, find an adult with disability in your community and begin to walk the road of figuring out what it would be like to have a relationship with them. That is a very simple thing. And that is the most profound thing you could do. You can learn more about starting a Befriend Outreach and the rest of the Mooney's ministry by going to 99balloons.org. That's the number 99balloons.org. We thank Matt and Jenny for taking the time to share their story with us, and we will be praying for them as they navigate their children's teenage years. This has been the last episode of our series entitled More Than Our Abilities. It's been a series on special needs and the church. We hope you see that we, as God's people, are so much more than our abilities. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. This is GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.